Hey everyone, Chris Sheeran back here doing the Anwar Off podcast in my office and uh, came to you about a week ago with a tribute to my dad that took me a long time to be able to sit down and speak about my father without crying every five seconds and um, it's just something I, I felt like I owed to him because he meant so much to my career and uh, what, I, what I've accomplished in my life. Uh, not only with my career, but with everything. My wife, my kids, if it wasn't for the man that he molded and sculpted, I wouldn't really be where I am right now, not professionally, not personally, not anything. And I just wanted to reiterate that as we move forward with another podcast. Now, I had scheduled a couple podcasts last week. I, I, I said I wanted to get this back off the ground. It was, you know, it's been long enough. I, I needed to get back on the horse and I needed to start doing this again. And I wanted to start doing it again for a very specific reason. And that was because my cousin, Bobby, was uh, another one of my huge fans. At everything I did at, at Yes and, you know, at my dad's wake and at my dad's funeral, uh, Bob and I are, are, were very close uh, in age and, and we're very close uh, relations, first cousins. Uh, he was my mother's sister's son. Uh, we lived right across the street from each other. We played wiffle ball. We picked cherries off of his cherry tree uh, and ate them <laughs> as we were playing wiffle ball. Uh, and now Bobby's gone. And all of this lost, it's been profound loss for my family. Not just my immediate family, my family as a whole. Now, my Aunt Rose passed in March. My Uncle Mickey passed in July. My dad, of course, passed in November. And now Bobby just passed on January 23rd. And it, it's just, it's hard. It's not just hard for their immediate families. But my Aunt Rose and Uncle Mickey were married. They had five kids, but their kids aren't the only ones who went through that loss. It went through our whole family. You know, I, I said at my dad's repass, I said, it's, it's both a blessing and a curse to have a big family because it's a curse because we, we're going to have to go through this, meaning a repass, more often than not. But it's a blessing because of everyone that was in that room. And unfortunately, a couple months after my father, we're going to be doing the same thing for my 57-year-old cousin, Bobby. And it just, it doesn't, like I said, it's hard to process. It's hard to, it's hard to bring up words to describe what we're all feeling. And it's especially hard for me right now because I started to tell you, and this is, this is how I work, I, I just go on tangents and I, I can't help myself. My brain is just, it's like the information superhighway, but it's not just one long road, it's, it's a road with a thousand exits. But I started to tell you about at my dad's wake and at my dad's funeral, Bobby 
was very close to my father, and he knew how close I was to my dad, and he made special, he, he, he made sure that we were okay, and he listened, and, and here's proof. And this is just scratching the surface uh, of the man that he was, and um, the man that we lost. But I told him that my dad, when my dad got sick like four, four and a half years ago, he never wanted a cell phone. And then he got a cell phone and he said, I never want to text. He was always that guy. I never want to do this. I never want to do that. I'm not going to be like the cool kids. No, he got a phone and then all he did was text everyone. And my dad um, would text me every pregame, every halftime, every postgame whether it was, you know, baseball and what tie Jack Curry was wearing or what Jack and I talked about or basketball, how's Jim Spinarkle, are you guys getting along, you know, just stupid little texts to just let me know, hey, I'm watching. You're, you're o- I'm always watching you. And it was a special feeling for me to know that, you know, I, I've worked so hard to get where I am. My father was extremely proud of me. And that meant so much to me. And I, I, I expressed this to Bob at both the wake and the funeral, the repast. And wouldn't you know it, in the successive dates I had Nets games, who texted me at halftime? Who texted me after the show? Bobby did. But like I said, that's just scratching the surface He meant so much to so many people, whether it was his teammates on his high school and college football teams. He played for Montclair State University. It was just Montclair State College back then. But Bob's trajectory was always changing. He was always trying to better himself. Much like Kobe Bryant's Mamba mentality that I just talked about during my K-Show highlights. It's always trying to make yourself a better person today than you were yesterday. And Bob did that exponentially. He grew up in South River, right across the street from me. He moved to North Brunswick before he settled in South Brunswick. He had a master's degree from Cairn University. He was director of emergency safety and services for Princeton He was a past president of the Princeton First Aid and Rescue Squad and ex-fire chief with the North Brunswick Volunteer Fire Department, Company 3, and a member of Reliable Fire Service in South River. He mentored so many. And if you look at his Facebook page, you could see it. How many people he touched and how how much he meant to everybody that he mentored. And, And in his obituary... It actually, in fact, says he was a mentor to many and a great man who will be missed by all who had the pleasure of knowing him. And I could tell you from firsthand knowledge, he was a great man. There actually are no words. Great doesn't even begin to encapsulate what my cousin was. And I'm sorry for the long pauses here, but again, it's just, it's trying to process this. And his father, my uncle, also Bob, 
it's hard for him to try to grasp that his son is no longer here. And I've known my uncle for a long time, and a lot of my uncles are very stoic. I don't think I've ever seen my uncle cry until this past week, and it's just, it's heart-wrenching what everyone is going through. They say there's strength in numbers, and thank, thank the good Lord, our family is big. Because it's through everyone else's strength that hopefully keeps my Uncle Bob and my Aunt Lucille moving forward. I, I know that's tough, but there's just no other way. I tell everybody, like, we've experienced this profound loss, and I tell everybody who asks me how I am, you get to the point where you're walking around and all you hear in your head is the song Comfortably Numb by Pink Floyd because it's not that I'm comfortable, but that, that song about drug use... <laughs> I mean, that's how we all feel. It, it, it's like enough already. And, and doing this and, and talking about this on my podcast, it, it's cathartic for me. It is. And I know this is supposed to be about sports. And, you know, I could tie my dad into sports. I could also tie Bob in. I told you he played high school and college football. And there wasn't a day that went by that the Yankees or the Giants or the Cowboys did something that I didn't have a text message or I didn't see a Facebook post from my cousin making me laugh about what was going on, whether the Giants stunk to high heaven, whether the Yankees, you know, lost to the Astros and what do we have to do to beat these guys? And apparently now we all know what we have to do to beat these guys, get a camera in center field, but that's another podcast for another time. But... I'll give you an anecdote really quick about Bob. We, we're a big Italian family. And every year until this past year when my dad was too sick for us to do it, we buy about 20 bushels of tomatoes and we all go to my Aunt Lucille's house and we have the pallets of tomatoes stacked up. And as many people that could come over and help, come over and help, you have to cut the tomatoes in half, make sure that they're, uh, they're fresh because you get all those bushels of tomatoes, chances are you're going to have some rotten ones. So you have to go through all those first, cut them in half. You have to squish them. You have to throw them into this big bin. That's just the first part of the process. Then you have to boil them for an hour in these gigantic pots that you could pretty much put a small child in. That's how big they are. And we would fill these things up. And one of, <laughs> and I laugh because I could see him. I could see his face when we do this. One of the mainstays of those days over my Aunt Lucille's house was Bobby. And the last time we did it was 2018. And the year before that in 2017, we were tightening up the bottles of sauce after they came. And you have to do this right after they come off the burner. So you have to have the mason jars heated to a point 
that they don't break when the hot sauce goes into the mason jars, obviously. Usually, we're lucky and maybe one here or there breaks. But it's never good when it's summertime, it's mid to late August, it's 95 degrees outside, you're working around hot stuff all day, you're not going to wear long pants. So a lot of us have shorts on. And in 2017, my Aunt Lucille was the first in line to put the little caps on top of the mason jars, and it was my job to tighten the mason jars. So if any of them went bad, the finger was going to get pointed at me. And early on in the bottling process, my aunt put, just put the cap on it, and it exploded on the table. And luckily, she had an apron on, and it didn't hit her legs, and everything was fine. So before we went in 2018, who did I call? I called Fire Marshal Bob. And I said, hey, I don't know if you could do this. I don't know if you could borrow an old pair of fire pants, maybe some uh, gloves as well, just so when I'm tightening up the bottles of sauce, you know, I could be safe, you know, I could be protected in case one of these things explodes in my hands. So I texted him and as usual, not even 10 seconds passed and I was getting a text back. You know what? I'm on it, Chris. You'll have the pants and I'll look and see if I can get some gloves. I went out and bought gloves. He did bring the gloves, but I went out and bought gloves. But he brought me a pair of fire pants with suspenders that I wore and I rocked all day long. And of course, like everything else, I bought a snowblower three years ago, and I haven't had to blow any snow off my driveway until maybe a week ago. And I did practically the whole neighborhood because I was itching to use it. But as luck would have it, and, you know, Murphy's Law, the opposite of that happens. Nothing exploded, but I was protected. And those fire pants are still hanging in my garage, waiting for the next time we do sauce. But there wasn't a sauce-making session that went by without Bobby and I sitting there next to each other, whether we were running the tomatoes through the machine and getting the seeds out the one side and the sauce out the other and putting carrying the sauce together over to the burner, laughing, talking about sports. It, it, it just, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense how someone can be here Christmas Day and breaking bread with my mom, my brothers, my aunt and uncle, and they're gone a month later. The cancer was so aggressive, it took him in less than a month. It's just tough. And then, you know, we, we went down, my wife and I went down to New Jersey to be with my family because, you know, something that really sticks out to me is Christmas night. And again, I, I do this on the podcast because it helps me, helps me work through this stuff because I, I need to, I need to talk. And I know I'm talking to myself, but to, to me, it's cathartic. And, and Bobby and Michelle, his wife, they always hosted Christmas Eve, and it was especially sorry, it was especially 
special to me this year because it was my mom's first Christmas without my father, and it was extremely difficult for her. It was extremely difficult for all of us. And Bobby and Michelle had it over their house as they did every year on Christmas Eve. And just for that couple hours, my mother felt normal. They provided that. And they had everybody over every Easter too. And when my, and I know Michelle's going to listen to this, and I, and I know she's going to remember me saying this. When they came out of my mother's house on Christmas d- night after dinner and they were going back home, I walked out to my car to put some things away. And I followed them out. And I grabbed Bobby by the shoulders. Because I missed almost every Easter. I think I was there once or twice. Because... Easter always falls on the beginning of Yankee season, the end of Nets season, and it's really hard for me. If I'm working on that day, there's hardly ever a way for me to get out of that because we have our hosts here who are locked into the Yankees. They're not going to fill in for me on the Nets, and I I don't want to be a burden. I I just I do my job, plain and simple. That's how my dad raised me, do your job. And that's what I did. But I grabbed Bobby by the shoulders, and I I was going to make this year the year where I stopped missing Easter with everybody. And I grabbed him, and I said, Bob, you let me know, and I will take the day off. And then this. This is proof positive. You, You can't, you can't take days for granted. Every day you wake up. Every day you have breath in your lungs. Every day, attack the day. Act like it's your last one. And that's not being dramatic, because you don't know. You just don't know. Hug your loved ones. Tell them you love them. The last conversation I had with my father... I don't know if I said this last Monday, but the, the last conversation I had on the phone, I talked to him all day over text the day he passed, but the last conversation I had on the phone with him was the Thursday before the late Saturday night that he passed away. And it was about going to Chicago and not being happy about it because it was my daughter's birthday. And... Uh, It was a while back when Sinead O'Connor did something. She ripped the picture of the Pope up on Saturday Night Live, and Chris Christopherson, for some reason, I don't know why, but stuck up for her and said, don't let the rhymes with rastards get you down. And the last couple things my dad said to me when I heard his voice were that phrase... Don't let the you-know-whats get you down. I have to get my toenails clipped. I'll talk to you soon. And my dad never said goodbye. He said so long. He never wanted the finality of goodbye. And even though I'm not ready, again, to say goodbye to another family member, you have to do it. I don't know if I said it earlier, but I'll say it now. The big blue ball doesn't care. It just keeps spinning, and we all have to keep moving forward. And it's going to be hard for Michelle. 
it's going to be excruciating for her, for everybody Bobby mentored, for my cousin Mark, Bobby's brother, Mark's wife Colleen and their kids, Megan and Shannon. But the strength of our family will get us through because it always does. I'm proof. Sitting here talking about it the way I am is because I know that net, we're all on a tightrope, all of us, not just my family. I know it's not just us, it's everybody. And I know everybody out there that's listening to this have, has suffered profound loss. I get it. And someone asked, is your family cursed? And I don't think it is. It is completely horrific and terrible what happened to Bobby. But the family is not cursed. We're blessed. Because of my aunt, uncle, Bobby's brother, Mark, his wife, Michelle, they fall off that trapeze. They fall off that tightrope. They're going to have plenty of people to fall on and help pick them back up because that's what we do. Just one more thing before I sign off on this one. The thing that was special about Bobby was that, you know, all those cliche things you hear when someone passes, oh, his smile lit up a room, her smile lit up a room. They broke the mold when they made him slash her. That was the truth with him. And the, and the really cool thing about my cousin was he was always there to help if you needed him. And he was always there to tell you the truth. He reminded me a lot of my dad. And I say that without hesitation. You always knew exactly where you stood with Bob. There were no punches pulled. If he needed to tell you to straighten up and fly right, he told you. He didn't beat around the bush. If you were going to him for advice and you were hoping that you were going to hear something that you wanted to hear, that's not what was going to happen. But that's what I admired and what we all admired about him. He was one of my coaches in high school for basketball. And that was tough. Another quick anecdote. It was tough to have Bobby there because I know how tough Bobby was. Extremely tough until the very end, by the way. And I remember a time where he was my JV basketball coach. And I drove and I went up for a layup. And every basketball player knows it. Sometimes when you drive for a layup and you come down, you come down on somebody else's foot and you sprain your ankle. And this one was bad. But the last person you wanted to show that you were in pain was Bob. Because Bob dealt with his share of pain when he was an athlete. And I went back to run the offense again. I went out to the wing, and I was limping through the offense, and I just heard from the other side of the gym, Shern, go to the trainer. And it was so bad because I didn't want to disappoint him, and I wanted to toughen up and tough it out. I just couldn't. When the trainer took my sneaker off, it ballooned into a basketball itself, my ankle did. And one of my favorite sayings that I've used on my highlights during Nets post-game shows, pre-game shows, and in my highlights on the Michael K. show, it, it emanated from Bob. 
if we got close to the basket and we didn't use the backboard, he would lose his mind. And his favorite thing to say was, insert player's name here, I have stock in backboard. Use it. I'm going to miss hearing his voice. I'm going to see. I'm going to miss seeing his face. And this week is going to be difficult. But as a family, we get through it. And those couple of stories I told you in this, like I said, just scratching the surface, but like his wife Michelle told me, we got to tell these stories because they keep him alive. Thank you for listening once again, everyone. I'll see you next time. So long.